Welcome back to the Anxious Creative Podcast, friend. I'm so excited that we're hanging out. I've got another great episode for you this week. Oh my gosh, we are in for a treat. I've got an amazing guest that I have gotten to know very well over the last few months. She is so freaking amazing. Someone who just like takes leaps and bounds, does things, jumps without, without knowing how to land and is making waves in this industry. No doubt you've probably heard of her before. And if you haven't, you are in for a treat because she's going to become your new best friend. She is going to blow you away, not just with her skill and talent, but with her heart and her compassion. So. Before I introduce her, let's get into the intro of the podcast, and then we'll see you back here for our special guest. I overthink, I overshare, and I overanalyze. So come explore with me as I chat about business, life, and relationships all through the lens of an anxious creative. All right. We are back and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to my wonderful friend, Yara. Welcome Yara to the podcast. Hello Dawn and hello listeners. Thank you so much for having me here. It is such a pleasure. Oh my gosh, you're just like a ray of sunshine. I'm so, I've wanted to have you on the podcast. I think since the moment, before we even actually got connected, I originally saw Beauty Launchpad post about you and I was like, holy cow this girl is amazing like no nothing can stand in her way and i think did i dm you from that i can't remember you did and what's funny is that i had been following you and like kind of fangirling on you for a little while <laughs> oh that's so cool it was like the stars aligned for our paths to cross yeah. Yeah. um so tell everyone a little bit like where are you from um and and what do you do Oh, of course. I'm happy to share this because I don't think you know, Dawn, I was born in Costa Rica and I, I lived that. there. <laughs> yeah, I lived there up until the age of like 13 or 14. So now that I've said this, you'll probably start to realize that I have a little bit of an accent or notice it a little bit more mm. because Spanish is my first language. And then when I moved here to Key Largo, Florida, where, which is where I live now, um, I learned English. So I've been here in Florida Keys since the age of 14. Key Largo, Montego. I just always think of that song. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're like, I roll. Um, so you didn't learn English till you were 13. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Wow. Every, every time I do say where I live, you do sing that, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're like, can you please stop doing that? I'm just like a small town landlocked Canadian girl, so I am jealous. <laughs> well, Key Largo is really fun. And I did come here when I was 14. And then I actually started my career shortly after that. I went to a little bit of middle school, a little bit of high school before I quickly, you know, after learning English, I realized that I was just really not like super happy with my peers and the whole like education system I was like oh, okay come on let's go what's next mm -hmm. um and then a lot like many many other stylists I went the college route first so I got my GD and I tried to join community college I thought that I wanted to do nursing I quickly realized that that was not the path for me right and then just kind of by luck I ended up working at a salon as a front desk receptionist Oh, and then that was like around age 16, 17. And then that's when I met some girls who were going to beauty school. And I was like, what? There's such a thing as beauty school? Because I always loved hair, but I didn't know that you could become a hairstylist. It's crazy as that sounds. <laughs> I love it. So how many years have you been a hairstylist now? Oh my gosh, so I'm 30 now. And I've been in a salon setting since like 16, 17 years old. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you're a salon owner now as well. Yep. We've been a salon owner. We're about to celebrate our third anniversary at Lashes and Girls Studio. Wow. And what a lot of people, so, so you've been a stylist pretty much since like you've been in the, in the industry since you were 16, you've owned your own business now for three years. What would you actually say is like the hardest part of being a business owner in the beauty industry? Oh, well, 
I think the load that comes with it, you know, being a stylist, commission stylist or booth rental is definitely a lot easier than taking on an entire business of your own. You kind of have to play a lot of a lot of different hats and not only learning those roles in the business, but also learning how to create a balance, um, which is really hard. I don't even know if balance is <laughs> a real thing. But uh, how to, you know, how to juggle everything that comes with it and stay true to yourself and stay healthy and make good boundaries. Yeah. And this is where I kind of want to shift it because like you, the fact that you've done all these things and you only like you moved to the U.S. when you were 14, you learned English at 14 years old, which is, I've heard, actually, I don't know if this is true, but I swear I remember like the best time to learn a language is before eight years old. Um, and so it gets like extremely harder as we get older to learn new languages. Was it hard for you to learn English? Um, that's a funny question. Um, so again, I was a teenager when I came here. So I was at that very sensitive age where mm-hmm. friends and social life was like top notch the most important thing in life. Um, And my parents kind of stripped me away from that very quickly. So when I went to school, I quickly realized that if I didn't learn English, I was not gonna make friends. And that was top priority at the time. Yeah. So I became really motivated and dedicated. And I think this has been um, kind of a constant in my life. When I (laughs) determined determination yes when I see a problem I look at it and I try to figure out how to tackle it so what I did I was tired of coming home every single day and crying because I didn't have friends because I didn't have anybody to talk to so I came home and I decided that I would eliminate everything in Spanish around me I'm talking music book tvs everything. So I started listening and watching everything in English, even though I didn't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. And then another fun little part, every time that I watched a TV show, I would listen to it in English and then I would press the subtitles. So I was listening to it while I read it. And then that mm-hmm. helped me like help, help me click and yeah, pretty like much with together. Yeah. So within like less than six months of my arriving here, I was in this special class called ESOL, English speaking for mm-hmm. other languages. And they kicked me out. They kicked me out of the class. Within you six months. Yeah. They were like, bye, you're good. We're good to go. So, you know, oh, determination okay. and just putting your mind to it. So this is like your determination to like get through things and not be a victim of circumstance has been in you since the very beginning, because it's kind of going to another place and what people might not know about you. And I know this is something that you've um, been apprehensive to share is that you're a hairstylist and a salon owner that, you know, learned English at 14 years old is a minority as well as you're in a wheelchair. Oh, yes. So I have a disability and it's a pretty um, noticeable one. So I had an accident uh, two years ago. I actually just had a two-year anniversary in April in which I fell off the second story of my house and I landed on my back and shattered one of my vertebrae, um, which left me paralyzed from the waist down immediately. Um, so it was like, from one day to another, really not even one day, from one moment to another, one second, um, life just completely changed. And this was in 2019, which was just not even a year after opening my salon. Wow. And how, like, it's so, you so easily could have been um, frustrated and let it overtake you, but you've continued to work behind the chair. And so walk us through, I'm sure there was ups and downs in that. Walk us through a little bit of the emotional process of that. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, Well, it was very hard at first, um, but one thing was always really present and like top in my mind was that I was not going to stop doing hair. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that I still had the 
full ability to move and hold myself up from the waist up, I took it almost like as a sign. I was like, okay, at least I have this, you know, at least I have the power that lies, the talent that lies in my hands. Um, so I started off really slow. I took five months off work and one of my amazing stylists and um, gals that works with me, Michaela, she held the salon up the entire time. She was fresh out of beauty school. And even during my stay at the hospital, there was a lot of times that we would FaceTime each other and I would formulate with her and give her instructions on what to do with the clients. So it was definitely a process. And little by little, I started to gain some strength and I gave myself certain goals, like certain dates mm -hmm. in which I would return to work and take in one friend, you know, not even a client, but uh, a friend that will allow me to play with her hair and kind of just explore my new setting and my new body and the new way of doing things. Yeah. So um, it started off slow and I built up and built up from there. Um, I also took that time to really dive deep into the business side of my salon. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had some downtime, so I spent it wisely. Yeah, good for you. So was it hard? So like, did you have to relearn like body positioning? Because you, now you, you're sitting while you're doing hair and washing hair. Was that a big thing to overcome? Or was it quite easy to kind of find new ways of, of doing these things? Oh my goodness, Don! It was so hard. So you would not believe how much your core. You know how they tell us always that we should work out our core because that's what helps our body stabilize us, mm -hmm. and it helps us move and stay healthy. Well, it's true, <laughs> and you realize <laughs> that when you lose your ability to walk, and part of your core goes with it. So I had a really hard time just even holding my arms up and sitting up I would topple off to the side kind of like a um what is that from bowling a little pin, oh, bowling bowling pin. pin yeah. I would just flop over to the side so it was a lot of adjusting and figuring out what worked and what didn't and how I could adapt to my surroundings and how what I could change in order to make my work possible aside from just being mentally and physically strong and gaining that little by little. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love like, I love this theme and we hadn't even talked about it of like how determination, like you're like, I'm learning English. I'm still, you know, I think so many people, myself included, if I had had a similar accident and was in a wheelchair, I'd be like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to find another industry to be a part of, but you're like, now I'm going to make this work. And never even crossed my mind on. It's crazy yeah. because even when I like was laying on the ground, like right when it happened, like I'm talking moments after it happened and I knew that something was awfully wrong. I didn't know what, but I knew that there was something very wrong. I picked up my arms and moved them around and had like a sigh of relief because I knew that I could move my hands. It's like making me tear up. Ah, that part always makes me tear up too. I don't share it all the time, but. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, <laughs> so I, how has it been the last two years getting, get it going through this and, and maneuvering through it? Has it been, cause you're such a, a positive person. Has it been rough? Has it been hard to openly share about it? Um, have you wanted to share about it? Like what is, what's well, the, the ups and downs of it? You know, at first um it was very scary and I remember I was so I've been a brand educator with a great brand that I love and trust and we have a, a group of educators and we usually talk among ourselves within the Facebook group and they were a big part of the support that I got during the time of my accident and I felt comfortable sharing a lot more in there and I remember sharing like that I wanted to educate again and that I wanted to set up a class and that I was ready to start coming back to the salon and one girl told me I think that you could really grab this experience that you've gone through and turn it around and make it something positive positive. and I remember reading that message at that time laying in bed like I probably hadn't had a shower in two days 
um, I was still learning how to sit up and just in a very, and I call it like the deep black hole, you know, and like depression, mm -hmm. like really bad depression. And I remember looking at that message and thinking, yes, she's right, but I have a long way to go from here, you know? So it was really hard at first to even look at myself in the mirror. So even just accepting who I was now took a long time, let alone sharing those feelings with the world, you know? And vulnerability is something that I've always, um, I'm, I'm very worthy, like I like words. Um, so even prior to my accident, I always try to be a little bit vulnerable on social media, a little bit vulnerable with my clients because I want to connect with people. But as far as positivity goes, it's always something that I think has been a part of me, but mm -hmm. people used to not take it as serious. People almost like made fun of me for it before. It was like, yeah, yeah, you're positive Patty, you know, wh whatever Yara, the world's not all that great. Now that I have gone through this big process and now I speak of positivity, I guess it gives me a little bit more of a platform for people to be like, wow, she really means that. Like she really, she really means it because she really did it. And, and now that I do have that platform, I do try to express it a little bit more of like the struggles and the, the hardships and the hassles that I've gone through, not just with this, but with the many other experiences that I've had since a young age and how your attitude and your mentality can help you come out on top and how it's okay to talk about these struggles and hurdles. Absolutely. And like, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength and, yeah. and being positive doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't have down days. Right. So talking about other hurdles, I love you made a post on Instagram um, a few weeks ago and uh, but when we're recording this, which we're going to, this podcast is going to be coming out in June, um, which is Pride Month. And so I want to shift gears here because you made a post um, about being a queer woman in the beauty industry. And I don't know if you, I'll let you share what it was about, but I was so um enlightened I don't know if that's the right word and really in awe of how you positioned it and how I was like she's so right so I'll let you share what you said in that post so that post spoke about um, me and my partner so I have been happily in a relationship with my partner her name is Larissa for going on five years now and um, when we first got together I actually it was the first relationship that I was open about with um myself the public and even my business and at that time i was employed by a different employer and i had been a certain way for x amount of years and that is the way that i was seen and perceived and i did feel like i came across some resistance i should say when i did publicly come out and wanted to express with the world that this was the person that I loved and this mm -hmm. was the life that I, I want to live because it makes me happy and it fulfills me and it makes me feel the best I've ever felt. Um, yeah. And there was some tension. There was definitely some tension with clients, um, with the amount of communication that I was able to openly have without it becoming awkward. Right. Um, and for a long time, I decided to just kind of ride with it. You know, I let it go. I mean, it little things like even like a client saying, Oh, how you been? You know, do you like, how's your boyfriend? And I would like not correct them, you know? Right because it was just like, oh, do I want to have this conversation right now? And like, is it going to be weird? And you could feel the tension, you know, because the stylists around me knew that I was dating a woman <laughs> and like the clients just sitting here trying to catch up. And then I'm in like the weird, uncomfortable spot. And like, maybe the owner of the salon is like, oh, God. you know, so it just, it was weird and it was uncomfortable. And what I noticed years later, you know, things have obviously changed and I'm very open and I don't care who knows and who gets offended. Um, but 
just looking back, I realized that it is just funny how our beautiful hair community that is so open and so welcoming and so diverse mm-hmm. and so okay with gay men is not really that okay with gay women. And this is a common pattern that I've seen in the industry as a whole. I mean, not just my story, but I know other queer and gay women who have experienced similar um, things in the industry who have kept themselves, quote unquote, professional and just didn't speak of that part of their lives. Because- so terrible. Yeah, so I figured it was time to maybe shine some light on that. Um, Just because, if there is anybody out there that feels that way, I want them to know that, you know, I see them and maybe there's some, their situation won't change. Maybe they, it'll give them the inspiration to change it. And why do you, what are your thoughts on why do you think our industry doesn't celebrate gay women? I don't know. I've gay thought women? about this. I've given it, a, I've given it thought, you know, I mean, probably the same reason why I always pushed down my sexuality and kind of like ignored it because like when I was like younger, you know, I didn't want my friends to think that I was weird, like my girlfriends. So maybe it has something to do with that. You know, mostly we work with women. So do maybe we have this thought that a woman's going to feel weird because I like women and I'm touching them, which totally never happened. Had, did you have any clients react terribly that way? Like, you know, I don't think like openly, like nobody ever came to me and was like, oh my God, all homos go to hell, you know? But, <laughs> but I, I did lose some clients along the way. And I think that a few times it probably had to do with that. And that is fine with me because typically the type of people that feel a certain type of way about that are not my type of people at all exactly and it's heartbreaking to hear because I was brought up in in a in a mentality or in a religious setting where I'm like I remember I remember saying to a friend that came out to me that I still love you but um I don't agree with your lifestyle and I've apologized to her so many times since then because I'm like that was who I was then and that's what I was taught to believe I no longer believe that um, but I don't know where I was going with that. It's, it's so hard to like, we're supposed to just love, we're all human. And it's just right. so sad that there isn't more not, acceptance in the world. You're not alone, Dawn. Like I myself am guilty of doing that to a friend when we were young, because I grew up in a very Christian setting as well. Mm-hmm. And I had pushed that down, you know, and ignored it and like classified it as bad in my brain so much that I actually had full-blown conversations with like at age 14 with a boy who was my friend. And I just couldn't wrap myself, my head around the fact that he liked boys too. And which was really just me reflecting my own insecurities and my own issues against him. So I think that a lot of us are guilty of that, but I do think that we're coming on on two different times and where things are being more brought to light, things that have been in the shadows for a long time. And I think it's time to everybody just feel, you know, good about that. And now that I'm at the place where I'm at, where it's just so openly talked about and my clients come in and they go, how's, how's low, how's the restaurant? You know, she's a business owner as well. Mm-hmm. And we talk about our kids and I'm able to tell them like openly, like, you know, clients, people ask me random questions all the time. <laughs> so they'll be like, what, what do they call y'all? And I'm like, well, she's mom. I'm mommy. Like <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. And they're yeah. like, oh, that's cute. You know, but I get really crazy sorts of questions all the time. I was just going to go through like, of my life, like all different areas. With your disability and with your sexuality, you've got to get some really weird offside questions that are like so not okay. And do you do you want to share some of like crazy things people have asked or said to you that, that oh you're God. just like, what? Yeah, those two, sexuality and disability, and then being a hairstylist and clients just thinking that they can just Yes. I get industry and be like, you should just tell me everything. I know. I'm like, um, 
HIPAA, right? Does it apply? Oh, you're in Canada. HIPAA is like the privacy app. I don't oh, know if okay. you guys have that. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, no. well, you know, one of like one of the big ones that I can think about regarding sexuality, I've literally been asked this like by a friend, by like a close friend um, who's also my client. She was in the chair and she's very quietly. She's just like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, didn't you used to be straight? <laughs> and I'm like, um, no, uh, that's called closet. Like, that's why it's you're closeted. You're like hiding. That's why they say you're coming out of the closet because you've been hiding yourself for a long time. And that's, that's a common question because I do have a biological child that I had with a man who's not in the picture at all. But anyway yeah people ask weird questions and that's just like any person any gay person or queer person or bisexual person especially people that that um identify as bisexual you know they get asked just crazy questions all the time yeah. because people just don't understand or call you a fraud or like they're just like how can you be like this now and this later you were and this way and i had you in a box right yes. yeah exactly exactly how dare you step out of that box mm -hmm. so. yeah that's really interesting and so have you had to really learn strong like did you ever feel obligated to answer these questions that people would like come up and ask you or have you been able to be like you know what that's not inappropriate to ask me or was it hard to have those boundaries you know i think also going back to just being a hairstylist and like understanding like human interaction and almost like psychology deeper i feel like i always have a good way of answering what i am asked in a in a polite way even sometimes i have to like dance around the conversation i don't know if this is the most healthy thing maybe i should learn some better boundaries <laughs> <laughs> you're in the right place yes <laughs> no i have not said this is inappropriate i pretty much always answer but no i don't always give it my all you know i just yeah. i i try to be polite and i do try to educate people in a certain way like when i get asked this is one of the most asked questions by people with visual obvious disabilities like me i'm rolling around in a wheelchair i cannot hide it mm -hmm. this is one of the biggest questions everybody gets asked and i tell my clients after i answer them to please not do it to other people in wheelchairs or with visual disabilities. They ask, how did it happen? Why are you in a wheelchair? And what the problem with that is, is that imagine, you know, think of like the worst day of your life, the worst, mm -hmm. absolute, most horrible day you've ever lived in your entire life. And imagine several people every single day everywhere you go telling you don can you please go back to the worst day of your life and tell me about it mm -hmm. so to isn't it, there's like a weird fascination as humans where we like want to hear about people's worst days and it's messed up it's weird right it's like when we want to squeeze babies like why do we want that? <laughs> <laughs> um because like i can't um like i i can't uh, empathize with with what you've gone through but all i can think of is like the, I can think of like, I went through a divorce and it was like the most awful, I would wish that on no one. Um, but before I had gone through a divorce, I had no idea how painful it was. Right. Can you tell and, me about it in detail? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Like, tell, tell me exactly how it happened. Um, and I never even thought of that before. And like, realizing that it's just not an, it's just a completely inappropriate question. Yeah. Or, or it'd be very similar, like saying like, how did you end up in a wheelchair? It'd be like, why did you get divorced? And I legit got that message from someone on Facebook, someone I hadn't talked to for 10 years, like so disconnected. And they went, I saw your name changed. Are you not? Oh my God. Anymore? And I was like, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Like not even like, they didn't even pretend they just wanted the gossip. And I, I'm curious, like, do you find like when you, when you um, first got on your wheelchair, when you first came out, did you find people inquired and it felt like they were just wanting to know the details, like the juicy details? Oh my God, all the time, all the time. Like it is crazy. And I, you know, I, we know when that's happening. And I literally, even when my accident first happened, 
I got a bunch of messages from like the woodworks, you know, people that I've never talked to. And I literally Don had a copy and paste like reply yeah. because I knew that they were just looking to get the scoop. I live in a tiny little town. So it was like, how did it happen? Why did it happen? How do you feel? When are you getting out? Are you ever going to walk again? Good God. Like, <laughs> and that's another one. Are you ever going to walk again? <laughs> or like, oh, that, that is actually one of the ones that is the most like troubling ones that I still deal with. And like my family does it a lot because of course they, they, you know, they love me. And I had just had to explain to my mother the other day that I'm living a really beautiful, full, fulfilled life. And that even if I'm never get to take another step, I'm so happy with my life. Yeah. And I'm doing so much. And like how are you ever doing? Ooh, not expecting to cry today, but I'm doing so much. And that is more than enough. That is more than I ever dreamed of possible before my accident. Yeah, I love that because like is it called ableism? Is that what like yes. yeah, and like how like people think not being able to walk is like you're like missing like the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. And and um I don't know if you if you know Celine Dupuis. She's in Canada and her husband's in a wheelchair and she talks a lot about like like they're in the snow and she's like, I can't I, I can't get them up on the sidewalk. And she talks a lot about how like there needs to be um, you know better protocols for things and like even like the parking spots but um I love how your perspective of like yeah like I'm a whole person still and I'm 100% capable of living a beautiful life and do you get people like kind of going like how are you doing like people kind of giving you sympathy where you're like I'm fine very few times and you know what's crazy like I've always had this like very like outgoing personality and like when I stand when I did stand I'm a really tall girl I'm like five nine so I've always had this like large presence around me right and it took me a little bit to get back to that once I was in the wheelchair I remember like the switch going off I remember the transformation happening and me being like comfortable in my own skin rolling around um but when it did happen um I felt like myself again and I was able to roll in confidently into a room and say hi and make eye contact and interact with people prior to COVID. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and because I live in a small town, because I have a small circle of things and situations and places that I frequent, I get really normal treatment for mostly everybody. But every once in a while, somebody will treat me like kind of like belittling like that and it happened the other day at a doctor's office and I never went back I was like (laughs) are you kidding me I'm like out of all places like don't you like shouldn't a medical place be like I'm just a patient you know with a medical condition but they treated me like I was this like frail like unable to make decisions kind of like little broken being and I was like nope <laughs> that ain't me what and I love when you're saying that it yeah, makes me so think it of like happens occasionally, but I try to you know I try to welcome the, the the thing is us humans like you were saying we are just pre-wired basically to be curious so I try to welcome mm-hmm. that curiosity and welcome it with like a positive outlook and a smile and uh, let's not make this weird. I'm just a person, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. once you get to know me, you just don't even look at the chair anymore. Not at all. Like, I don't even, and I think that's like people need to not focus on what they see or what they hear, or, or like, I was just, as you were sharing that and like them treating you like frail, I think of like, I think of how when I've traveled and people when they're trying to talk to someone who speaks a different language and they talk louder and slower and I'm like they're not going to understand any better if you talk louder and slower Um, but it's almost like patronizing like I always like call it like the patting on the head like are you how are you doing and it's like come on so I'm curious Yara and and please like I'm still learning and understanding so if this is if this is an offside question let me know but I'm just curious what do you wish people um 
who aren't in wheelchairs knew about people in wheelchairs or understood? Um, wow, this one's a, this one's one that I wasn't prepared for and I've never, <laughs> I've never been asked this. This is great. Or what um, do you wish you could say to people? Okay. Um, what I wish that able-bodied people understood Sorry, and I believe the term's all wrong. I apologize. No, it's okay. Um, what I wish able-bodied people could understand about disabilities or disabled people is that disabled people still have a lot to offer to the world. And mm -hmm. A lot of times because of the way that society is set up, because we look at disabilities, and I'm not just talking, you know, paraplegia in a wheelchair, but I'm talking like autism and ADHD mm -hmm. and like all of these, even people with schizophrenia. I mean, like you'll be like people think of somebody with schizophrenia as crazy, but they're actual people with like jobs mm -hmm. and whatnot. So able people who have had a really good luck not to ever have to come across these hurdles and the struggles in life to just give people with disability a chance and to just make it a safe place to where somebody with a disability can thrive and can come out of their shell because it's something that I didn't even know was going to happen from sharing my story with the world is the heaps i'm talking dozens if not hundreds of messages that i have received with people with disabilities who either quit doing hair because of their disability or never followed through following their passion because they thought that they couldn't do it because of their disability but now i know of two girls one in the uk and one in the us in wheelchairs who are going to be to school so Amazing. there's talent out there with people with disabilities that may be hiding. So there, there may be a person with a disability who has a cure for cancer or who can discover something new, you know, but they'll never be able to fulfill their entire purpose unless we give them the room to flourish. Yeah, yeah. I love that Yara. Cause really like, and I know I, it, it's hard to admit, but I guarantee I have been, you know, um, uh, uh, guilty of like, you know, putting pe people with this, with visible disabilities in a box and just like, I've struggled with depression and anxiety and it's a non-visible um, thing. And like, there's like this size to it, but there's something about, yeah, like realizing like you're still a whole and complete person if, even if you've got a disability and how we we kind of like, I don't know, would you say like babying and like how you're saying like the medical office is like, kind of just think like, well, you're, you know, I, I love that, sorry, I'm going in 10 different directions. My brain's like spouting off, but like, I love how you said like, there might be someone out there with a cure for cancer in a wheelchair and they might not get to because the way society has been built itself. Right. And do you think society is moving in the right direction or do you think that like there's still a lot of work that needs to be done clearly a hundred percent i think it's moving in the right direction i see people bringing up issues that i never knew about that i never knew were an issue and i try to stay on top of things like this like just recently i learned a lot more about autism and like what things you should be saying and shouldn't be saying regarding autism and how to make that space for them. You know, I think that people are starting to speak up about things and even more people are starting to listen. And yes, there is still that whole other bunch of people who are like, who cares? Like, we don't have to be politically correct, whatever, fuck yeah. everything. But at least things are coming to, at least not everybody is like that anymore. Yeah. And would you say like it's a it's a way to show love and kindness to the people you care about that that have these disabilities or or you know to show them like I'm trying I'm I'm learning and I know I'll mess up. Do you appreciate that when people Oh yeah. my gosh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that everybody should 
get to know somebody with a disability a little bit more and just give them a chance because you know this is something that could happen to anybody this is something yeah. that could happen to your kids to your mom to you not just a wheelchair thing like excuse me <laughs> it could be a different disability and it could be something that happens overnight so you never know i never in a million years I mean, never in a million years did I think that I would go from being able to like do yoga and run and walk and walk in heels and do a whole 10 hour shift in high heels to being in a wheelchair. <laughs> I know that's another story. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was this um, uh, CBC, which is a company in Canada, put out this show that we watched and I forget it was, I think it was called You Can't Ask That. And they brought in on each show, they brought in people like one was people um, that had Down syndrome, other was like people uh, that that had uh, that were in wheelchairs, there was other people that had like, um, I forget, it was like a whole bunch, it was really cool, like lost limbs and they like interviewed them about like what you can't ask. And they had blind people and one of the things I found really interesting that a couple of the blind people had said, um, like the thing, please don't try, don't take us by the arm and direct us. Cause they're like, we know. And I found this so fascinating people mean, well-meaning people, well-meaning people wanting to help. And these blind people said like, we know our routines. And if you take us by the arm and direct us all of a sudden, we don't know what direction we're in anymore. And I found that so fascinating and like thinking like, I think like people who mean well, but just don't know better. And then, and then I find those people get defensive when you try to be like, hey, I know you're trying to be helpful. However, this isn't really helpful. And I'm curious, has anyone ever tried to wheel you somewhere? Oh, darn. <laughs> like, how, what do you, do you just like, what, oh, no. Before I answer this, let me just give you the answer to everything. Just ask, please just yeah. ask people just ask. I love kind human beings. And there's been kind human beings who have helped me out before when I needed help. And I was so grateful for them. But then there's also the like Asian massage place next door to my salon and a cute little old lady was trying to like, quote unquote, help me out with my wheelchair, getting it out of the car the other day. And she messed me up so much. And then she put me like in a rush, you know, then I was like nervous that I was going to like, not get out quick enough because she's helping me and I'm like oh I have a system that I usually do like it's wheel one wheel two put it in like <laughs> and I'm like oh my god now I'm like all like gathering my stuff gonna spill my coffee and I'm like you're so sweet that I can't be rude to you you know yeah. and I'm gonna sit there and say thank you but I just wish that she would have asked me instead of just like she just you're came up me. to me and started touching my chair and then yeah, wheeling thing, like people wheeling me. I have like two or three people in my life that wheel me. Number one, my wife, because she's amazing and she gets me through every terrain possible, mountains, beaches, whatever. I love that. Um, then Michaela, my stylist, and then my best friend, Jesse. But my chair is actually a part of me. It's like my, it's like a part of my body. So when somebody comes up and just touches me, it feels really like, like they're crossing a boundary for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it's funny because you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to worry about saying, please don't touch it and them getting upset. Right. But it's funny how pe people who help, people who want to help get upset when you try to tell them, actually, that's not how you can help me. And can you help me this way? And they're like, well, I was just trying to help. And it's like, oh, you're not. Asking somebody how you can help them in general, disability or not, like your partner, that is actually one of the best things that you can do with your partner or your team or your friends. Say, do you need support or advice? Like right now when they come to you, like sometimes like helping somebody out is really just not what they need and mm -hmm. it can cause more damage than good. Yeah, stop presuming you know how someone needs help and start like I always say like the assuming like I have a lesson inside my program rock your business where it's like when you assume you make an ask out of you and me and just inquiring first. I love that. Yeah, and I don't know if have you ever watched the show New Amsterdam? No, but it's really good. And the the lead, the guy that's like head of the hospital, he just starts everything with how can I help? Ooh, I like that. And I really started to adopt that, just like how can I help? 
Um, so Yara, I think that like thank you so much for sharing and being so open to share with all the listeners. That's really, really amazing. I really appreciate that. You talking about like overcoming hurdles. I love that, you know, so I know you shared a bit about with me previous to recording how there's a lot of times you didn't want to share these pieces of you because you didn't want people to feel you were a victim. And I can tell you from the perspective of, of getting to know you the last, what, six months or so, there is not an ounce of victim in you. And you are, you are an overcomer. And seeing what you have overcome, how you have not let you know, life's hiccups and setbacks stop you for a second, and how you're continuing to do big things despite it is really, really um, impressive. And it motivates me to see like nothing. Cause I know there are days like sharing with like, I struggle with depression, anxiety. There are days where I really struggle to get out of bed and knowing that there's people like you out there that are doing amazing things and are overcoming obstacles is really, really, um, like I said, motivating and impressive. And I want you to share a little bit with everyone. What's like the thing you're working on right now? Oh my God, Dawn. It's like the coolest project I have worked on since opening my salon. And it is a digital course that I have created to help hairstylists who are feeling confused, nervous, or frustrated when it comes to lived-in color. So lived-in color mm -hmm. is my jam. And for a long time, I was that stylist. Like when Balish first came around, I had no clue how to do it no clue and I would just try out all this fail methods and I felt defeated and lost and like I just felt like I was like less than you know because I had been doing hair for a while like why the heck can I figure this out so then I learned balayage and then I had some discovery with balayage and then I realized that I wanted to even do more so then I started using like more advanced foiling techniques and then that's when I really just fell in love with like lived in color and doing it all the way inside and out blondes and brunettes like rich beautiful colors and it helped me grow my business to a level that i just never even knew possible so this course that i created is basically all of those years of trial and error of feeling bad of coming back of figuring out the method of how to effectively and efficiently tackle every lived in color that comes your way. And that is my course and it's called Evolving Silas Academy. And we are releasing, we're opening our doors May 28th. So I'm really excited. Um, I already have some founding members in the course. So some, there's a really nice group of girls who are already getting all the information and seeing so many great results from it. That's amazing. And it's been such an honor. So for those of you guys listening, Yara and I have been working pretty closely together while she creates this. And it has been um, <clears throat> amazing how like talking about like jump before you know how to land. And me and you are both, I hope it's okay that I share, me and you both are overcomplicators. And out of a place of like, we want to give our all to everything. We want to give everyone the best experience. And I have just been in awe of you being like, okay, I'm going to do this and you make it happen and you do it. And now your program is opening up. You've got people invested in it. You're changing lives, not only with your story, your personal story, but with your professional life as well. And that is just, I can't wait to come back and check in with you a year from now and see where everything's at. If you continue at this pace, it's really, really amazing. So for, for people who maybe want to learn a little bit more about you, or aren't ready to join evolving, or maybe I'm not sure by the time, I think this podcast will be coming out in June. So maybe the doors won't be open. How can people get into the Yara universe? Of course. So yeah, doors will probably be closed by the time of this episode comes around, but they will be opening again before the end of the year. So there will be another chance to join Evolving Stylist Academy. And just in general, you can find me at Yara Does Hair on Instagram. I have some really great free resources right there on the link on my bio. And then I also put out helpful educational content almost every single day to serve my audience, to help hairstylists, to help simplify all of these lived-in techniques. And then I also like to sprinkle a little bit of fun and inspiration in there because that's just me. 
So give me a follow, send me a message, let me know that you came from Dawn's podcast and we'll be friends. I love it. And you have um, a money piece freebie, don't you? Or something like that, people? I do. So remember I was telling you that I love balayage and foils? Yeah. So I call it my face framing frenzy. Love it. <laughs> and it's a two-part uh, video training that is completely free. One is going to teach you how to do a balayage money piece. And the other one is going to teach you my favorite hairline highlight foil technique that you can start for using free? for free, Don. You can literally start using this right away. People tag me on their work all the time. Like if you've ever ended up with like a money piece that was like too thin or too thick or just not how you wanted it, go download this and it'll change the game for you. Um, that's amazing. I love that. Well, Yara, say thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you so much for coming and spending this time with the Anxious Creative Podcast. You, I'm just so glad that you're in my life. I can't wait till we can meet in real life. It'll be so amazing. I want to come hang out in your pool. Yeah. And then I'm going to come visit Canada one day and meet Louis. Yes, and meet my puppy. He no, won't be a puppy anymore, probably. Um, well, thank you so much. What if there if there's one thing you want to leave our listeners with? What would you like to leave them with? Um, I would love to leave everybody with one message that may sound cliche, but it is very true. We can't control what happens to us in life, but we can control how we react to it. Mm. So always keep that in mind. The world could be falling around you, but if you have a good positive mindset and you know that you're going to get out of it, because you always do, everything's going to be fine. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Don. Thank you for having me. Okay. Okay. I mean, I know you heard me talk about Yara this whole podcast, but holy freaking cow. It's been a little bit since we actually recorded this podcast. And I just got to say like Yara is doing big things and you want to jump in on the bandwagon and follow along. So go ahead and go to Instagram at Yara does hair, Y-A-R-A does hair check out her stuff. She is hilarious. She is kind. She's compassionate. And I'm just so honored to know her. And as always, friend, if you're looking to grow your clientele, get new clients or get the right clients in, go ahead and check out my client building bundle for only $37. You can get it at dawnbradley.com slash clients. Or maybe you're in a stage where you're like, I know I need to raise my prices, but it's scares the living poo out of me to have that conversation. Well, you're in luck because I have my free template. It's called raise your prices, not your anxiety. And it's going to help walk you through how to break the news to your clients so that you can show up confidently and charging correctly. So you can get that at donbradley.com slash prices. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you again next time for another wonderful episode of the anxious creative. Stay weird friend. <laughs>